You might not have put two and two together or realize that this podcast, it's actually produced by a nonprofit, listener-supported Wyoming Public Media. We're just a little old station housed in a basement on the beautiful University of Wyoming campus. We aren't getting paid big bucks as a for-profit business. No siree, we're making this podcast not for money, but because everyone on our team believes in what we do, telling the missing stories of the real American West. But that means we rely on people like you. If you make sure to download every episode as soon as it comes out, or have been telling all your friends what a big Modern West fan you are, or would be seriously bummed if we disappeared from your feed, If all that describes you, I wonder if you'd take a quick minute to do something for me. Get into your browser and search for themodernwest.org and find the donate button. It doesn't matter how much you commit to, $5 or $100. It just matters that you show us that you want us to keep telling these stories. My recommendation? Pause this episode and do it real quick before you forget at themodernwest.org. Wyoming Public Media, this is the Modern West, stories to match our scenery. I'm Melody Edwards. The more I saw, the more I knew that, I mean, there are better ways, you know? There were times I remember driving home after birth and just upset and crying because... The mom was not treated well. When the West was first being settled, women didn't have the option to go to the hospital to give birth. Today, that can still be the case as hospitals in rural towns are shutting down. So some women are reverting back to the way pioneers gave birth with the aid of a midwife. My dad's a farmer. And so when the second baby was ready to come, he took too long getting out of the field and taking a shower. She was sitting in the car, and by the time he started walking to the car, she started walking back into the house and taking her clothes off. And he was like, what are you doing? And she said, the baby is coming right now. And so she had the baby at home, not out of choice, but out of necessity. And then she realized that she actually really enjoyed that. And it took a lot of the anxiety and the fuss of going to the hospital. And and so she was like, oh, well, that was much more comfortable. So then she just had the rest of us at home. We're currently in the middle of a wave of legalizing and regulating midwives, which allows women the option to give birth at home. 35 states have already legalized midwifery, and that includes all of the Mountain West except Nevada. Reporter Camila Kudelska takes us on a journey with Western women who choose to have a midwife instead of going to a hospital. Personally, I wasn't born anywhere near a farm. My mom gave birth to me and my older brother in New York City. It was at a time when it wasn't popular at all to have home births. I wondered about the difference between giving birth in an urban versus a rural area. So, I called my mom up. Hello? 
Can you hear me now? So, mainly, I'm interested in how long it took you to get to the hospital for us. We lived very close to the hospital. It was like uh, a block away. So you couldn't take the cab like, or a car or whatever. You had to walk. So you had to be able to walk. So in the middle of the night, I think it was Monday, I decided that we have to go. And we went to the hospital and, and they told me that... And you walked to the hospital? Yeah, I walked to the hospital with that. And they made all those uh, tests and they said that the the opening is too small and that it's happening too slowly and because I don't want to use any medication to speed it up that that I have to go home and wait. My mom walked back home and when she felt more contractions, she walked to the hospital again. My mom kept on saying she felt alone when she was pregnant with my brother. He was her first kid, and she had no immediate family in the United States, so she was depending on doctors and hospitals. I don't think I ever realized before how much women depend on hospitals during labor, especially for their first kid. This can be a big problem for women in rural places, though, like where I now live in northern Wyoming. In the past 10 years, hundreds of hospitals have been closing in rural areas like this one, and the maternity wing is usually one of the first units to go. So, in areas where hospitals are shutting down, home births attended by a midwife can provide another option for many women living far from hospitals. Okay, I'm Brittany Robertson. Nathan Robertson. Everybody, I love you so much, and my mom gonna have What's a baby. Name? My name Beverly, and my name Beverly, and my name is Emerald. I'm Ezra. I <laughs> It's mid-August. I'm sitting on a piano stool in front of the family. All three children piled on top of Brittany and Nate on the leather couch. The kids are under the age of ten and have bright blonde hair. Brittany is the outlier in her family. Her brown hair is pulled back in a ponytail. Her blue flowered shirt outlines her belly. Brittany's fourth child is due in three weeks. All of her children were born at home or at a family member's home. My mother had us at home, and so this wasn't a very new idea to me. Getting to the hospital isn't the issue for the Robertsons. Their house is smack dab in the middle of two hospitals in northwest Wyoming, each about 15 minutes away. By the time Brittany was pregnant with her first child, she just wasn't a huge fan of hospitals. So a home birth just made sense. I liked the freedom of making some of the decisions about my birth. Like I wanted a home, a home birth and a water birth, which was one of the big decision makers, is that I wanted a water birth, which wasn't offered or available in the hospitals here yet. And it actually turns out that the standard of giving birth in a hospital is a pretty new concept. My name is Tina Cassidy, and I'm the author of Birth, The Surprising History of How We Are Born. So the history of midwifery actually goes back to the beginning of human history. In the very beginning, You know, women were always attended by other women. These were typically 
members of the same village or the same tribe. They were mothers or sisters or aunts. Tina says historically, midwives were women helping other women give birth, especially in rural areas. The women oftentimes had gone to many births in the community and got a lot of training. So midwives have always been present at birth really since the beginning, as I said. What changed is in the last few hundred years, as uh, new tools were invented, um, in Europe there were these barber surgeons had licenses to use certain tools and they invented forceps. And because they had access to these tools, they were able to kind of make headway into the birth room, if you will. Midwives did not have access to these tools. They did not have the proper licensing for that. This meant fewer women turned to midwives to give birth. People began thinking that midwives didn't really know what they were doing and were worried about the mom and baby's safety. You know, but over time, laws began to say that it was not okay to have midwives, that these were not properly educated women. And instead of giving midwives a new level of education beyond the practical hands-on experience that they had and, and generations of wisdom that they passed on, from one to the next, they just eradicated midwifery as a practice. At first, states just left midwifery illegal. That means there were no laws or regulations. But slowly, states started totally banning the practice. It usually occurred when one bad thing happened. Wyoming was no exception, says Sarah Burlingame. There was a lay entry midwife who had attended a birth at what was then the Holiday Inn here in Cheyenne. Sarah Burlingame is a state representative and a mom. Today, she sits at her desk next to an open window right down the street from Wyoming's capital. The mom, the dad, and the grandma were all sent home, I believe, shortly after the birth. And the grandma said, you know, I just think there's something really wrong here. This isn't right. You know, we need to go back to the hospital. And they turned around and they came back to the hospital and it was too late. And uh, their baby had sepsis and the baby died at the hospital. And that was what caused, you know, the Department of Health and the legislature to just say, oh, this is not acceptable. You know, we can't have this, you know, lack of care codified um, or, you know, open through a loophole. She says in 2008, a bill that would have legalized midwifery failed. So in 2009, Sarah joined a citizen lobbying group to try to get it passed the second time around. You know, there were some very vocal opponents within the medical institution, but there were also friends of it, right, who were like, hey, we understand that some women want to have this as an option, and we just want to make sure that there's regulation and that there's oversight. There were also conversations that midwifery could help access to maternity care for rural women. Wyoming is always struggling with healthcare access. That's because it's a big state with a small, spread out population. Sarah says her first son was born in Colorado because it was the only option to have a home birth at the time. I had joined this, you know, citizen lobbying group to say, hey, we, we totally understand why, you know, the good old bad days were not good for women and, 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 and babies. Absolutely, this is something that should have oversight, should have a board. 
should be given the same, you know, attention and care as any other um, medical process. But unfortunately, there were some people who weren't looking for finding solutions. They just felt like any form of midwifery, any form of home birth um, was just wholly unacceptable and just really, um, you know, dark ages and were, were in total opposition to it. So it's kind of a pitched battle in that respect. Ultimately, the bill passed in 2010 in part because the Wyoming Medical Society supported it. By 2010, 23 other states had also legalized and regulated midwifery. That includes all of the Mountain West states except for Nevada, where to this date midwifery is still illegal. In Wyoming, for it to actually become legal, the midwifery board needed to be appointed. Sarah says nothing was happening, and by this time, she was on a deadline. She was pregnant with her second child. I could, as a citizen, waddle, you know, my seven months pregnant self up to the Capitol and ask to speak to the governor, you know, which I did. And I had my three-year-old son with me. And then the governor came out and, you know, Governor Meade said, what can I do for you, Sarah? And I, you know, was very, very pregnant. And I just explained to the governor that, you know, Atticus, my my then three-year-old, had a Colorado birth certificate. And it was really important to me that this son that I was carrying have a Wyoming birth certificate. It worked. Then Governor Matt Mead helped speed up the process, and Sarah was able to give birth at home. I had a great birth at home and everything. I mean, I just really appreciated getting to labor, you know, with my partner and my, my friends. And passing the law made it possible for women like Brittany in northern Wyoming to give birth at home as well. Stay tuned. We'll find out how this new law helps Brittany as she gets closer to giving birth herself. If you are liking what you're hearing, and actually, hey, even if you don't, we would love to hear about it. Take a moment right now to leave a rating or review on your podcast app. It'll help new listeners discover the modern West so that we can keep bringing you stories about the evolving identity of the American West. Hey, thanks, y'all. I like to be surrounded by people that I know. And so I enjoyed that the people present were people I knew and trusted and loved me. And I liked that I could get into the bathtub and out of the bathtub. I could lay on the bed if I wanted. I could eat. I could drink. Um, And so after she came, we rested for a while. And then I wanted to go home. Um, At that time, I had had her at my aunt's house. And so we did. We went home. And then with my other ones, I just liked that I could crawl into my own bed and stay. (laughs) Brittany has turned to the same local midwife for all her children's births, Melanie Lennon. Melanie is a nationally certified professional midwife and licensed in Montana and Wyoming. I meet Melanie for the first time at a childbirth workshop to teach new moms what to expect if they do decide to have a baby at home. Inside, Melanie and her students are busy getting food and supplies set up for the day. Melanie is tall and slim with shoulder-length gray hair. 
She organizes a workshop like this at least twice a year for her clients. Soon-to-be parents get a crash course on pregnancy, home birth, and what to expect during postpartum. Okay, this is your cervix. Melanie is sitting on a footstool in front of three pregnant women and their partners on couches in a large open living room. After a snack break, Melanie leads everyone into a small bedroom. It's being used as a mock birth room. In one corner is an inflatable tub. It looks like one of those small inflatable pools you can get at a Walmart. A mama is sitting in the tub. (laughs) You got warm water, you know, all the way up to here. Mm-hmm. And that's called what? Nature's epidural. Yeah, it is amazing. So it really has something to do with physics. So you've got this heavy, heavy water, and you've got this belly that's feeling heavy and crazy and all this stuff. More than on one occasion, women have said, I think my contraction stopped. A few days later, I meet Melanie at her house-slash-birthing center. The west section of the house has its own entrance to the outside. This is where she sees her clients for prenatals, and she gives the option for all of her clients to give birth here if they like. Melanie says her own birth stories explain why she's a midwife. She had to have an emergency cesarean section for her first pregnancy— So for the second one, she really wanted to try to have her baby at home. So I had regular OB prenatal care. And he said, I'll meet you at the hospital if and when that is necessary. And so we labored at home and we labored again really, really long time. And then I just started bleeding pretty badly. And so we went to the hospital and had another C-section. Melanie has three children and none were a vaginal birth. I don't know, it's taken me a long time. I just think personally to even just uh, process all of that. Because, like I said, I'm one of nine girls. No other C-sections in my family. None. I'm the only one. I think that's part of my passion, too. And then part of how, like, it is so victorious for me to help moms. Melanie hasn't been a midwife her entire life. At first, she worked as an administrator at a community college. When her kids all left home, she decided to give being a doula a try. A doula is a woman who provides guidance and support to pregnant women during birth. But ultimately, the doula can't make the final medical decision. That's up to the doctor. I practiced as a doula for about eight years, but some of those years were while I was going to school. And the more I saw the more I knew that, I mean, there are better ways, you know. There were times I remember driving home after birth and just upset and crying because the mom was not treated well. She wasn't respected. Her choices weren't respected. Um, And as much as a doula kind of acts as an advocate, you can't speak for your clients, you know, you can help them, right. you can try to educate them, but sometimes like their voices were just silent. 
And so I think that that just began to well in me more and more. So Melanie jumped at the chance to become a certified professional midwife when it became legal in Wyoming. But she says from her own personal experience, she realized collaboration and communication with an OBGYN in the area is so important for some of the more complicated pregnancies. She says midwives should only accept low-risk women, but still sometimes an emergency happens, like it did with her, and having a conversation with the OBGYN beforehand can help with the care. Melanie says an OBGYN she has worked with in the past feels the same way. And he would simply just say, like, birth is boring, like 90% of the time, and he'd call them vanilla births. You're just vanilla. And he says, and 5% of the time, it's kind of like, you need a little help, a little help here, you know? And then 5% of the time, it's super exciting. And he's like, and that's like why he's an OB. Like he likes that big, exciting, like you're going for, we're going emergency C-section, this mama's got this going, whatever. So can midwives replace OBs, according to him, as an OB, 90% of the time? And 5%, we can have some good collaborative care. And 5% of the time, we need some major help. And we need to just know what those differences are. Probably the 5% that we need the most help aren't in our scope to begin with. Finally, Brittany's baby comes. It's on a Friday afternoon, but I miss the call I've been waiting for. Hi, Camila. This is Melanie. I'm just giving you a heads up, regardless, that Brittany is in labor. So if you can make it, great. If not, we understand. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. When I hear the voicemail, I jump into my car. As I drive the long distance across the wide open sagebrush valley to get to Brittany's house, I try to mentally prepare myself for what I'm about to see. For a long time, I was convinced that I didn't want kids. That's changed, but I'm still a little wary of the whole pregnancy process, even after my time with Melanie and Brittany. When I pull into Brittany's driveway, I take a couple of deep breaths and walk up the steps to the front door. It's eerily quiet in the house except for music softly playing from the bedroom. There, Melanie is in gray scrubs, her gray hair in a ponytail. She's kneeling in front of a blue inflatable tub. Brittany is just pushing out her placenta, and I realize the baby has already been born. Brittany relaxes in the inflatable water tub. Her husband, Nathan, embraces her from behind. The Robertson's healthy baby boy, Tate, is in the arms of Brittany's mom. Because baby Tate came so quickly, there are only a few people in the room. Brittany's mom and sister, her cousin, Melanie, and her student. Then, Brittany notices me and apologizes that I wasn't there for the birth. 
With Melanie's help, Brittany climbs out of the tub and goes right into her own bed, just a couple of steps away. Melanie places baby Tate right onto Brittany's bare chest. Dad takes pictures of everything. As her cousin prepares her a plate of fruit and cheese, Melanie brings out a small blanket that has handles on either ends. She takes baby Tate from Brittany's chest, puts him in the middle of the blanket, and then lifts the handles. She's weighing the newborn. Okay, little man. Little man, you might even give your auntie a good cry again, just what she's waiting for, huh? Do you guys all want to guess real quick? This is a hunk of boy. Seven eggs. Anybody else? Come on, get your guesses in. Your guesses in. Seven one, you think he's little? I can see how this is an attractive choice for some moms. Instead of rushing to the hospital right when her water broke, Brittany was able to prepare herself at home, knowing that if anything did go wrong, she would have the support of Melanie and an option to go to the hospital. After a while, Brittany's kids come into the bedroom to meet the new member of their family. Your baby brother is here. Look at that baby brother. I start to feel a little in the way. I wonder if I would have felt like that in a hospital setting. There's something more intimate about a home birth. Anyway, I say goodbye to the family and leave them to enjoy the first hour of their new baby son's life. That was Camila Kudelska. I just want to add something. Camila's story made me remember giving birth to twins in a small western city with an equally small hospital. Twins are one of those high-risk pregnancies we heard about. Not vanilla, let's put it that way. A home birth wasn't an option for me, but I was really glad to have a midwife attend my birth anyway. I labored for over 24 hours in hopes of having a vaginal birth, but finally my midwife turned to me and said, it's time. And so I told the doctor, okay, I'm ready for a C-section. That decision would have haunted me for life if it wasn't for the steady hand of a midwife. So yeah, I agree. Midwives have an important role to play, even in a medical setting. Check out some of the photos from Brittany's birth at our website, themodernwest.org. Tune in next time when we hear about the brain drain out of the American West. Kids that grow up here but take their energy and talent when they leave in search of urban jobs. There is so much that I need to experience so that way I can become this person for other people. Belonging, next time on The Modern West. I'm Melody Edwards. Our theme song is by Screen Door Porch. The Modern West is a production of Wyoming Public Media. One of our goals is to get a dialogue flowing about the stories that we're telling. We're hoping that you'll join the conversation. 
So connect with us on social media and let us know what your thoughts are, whether you agree with what you're hearing or not. We're at Modern West Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. That's Modern West Pod. <laughs>